Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 as we come to near the end of our study in the Apostles' Creed, uh, coming down to the, uh, to the statements relating to the Holy Spirit and related to the church, and we've dealt with those. We talked about how the Creed is, is Trinitarian. It starts out with, I believe in God the Father Almighty. Then it talks about, I believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. And then talks about how he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried, descended into hell, as the old creed says, and that interpreted into the realm of death, suffering hell on the cross as he bore our sins. On the third day he rose again from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And then two weeks ago, we got into, I believe in the Holy Spirit. We talked about the importance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit among the body of believers, the Holy Spirit who brings us to faith in Christ, who takes the atonement that Christ accomplished on the cross and applies it to our lives, opens our eyes, opens our heart, does his work that we might be able to believe. And then the Holy, and I, you know, the word in the old, that upset so many people in the creed, the Holy Catholic Church, little c, which means universal or complete. I believe in the Holy Universal Church of Christ, the communion of the saints, which we talked about last week. Then we come tonight to the next to the last message in this series, and that says, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. He draws that at the very close almost of the creed he says i believe in the forgiveness of sins now there are a lot of things that he could have put in the creed there's a lot of he could have said i I believe in the atonement of christ i believe uh, i believe in the reconciliation of christ i believe in in the all, all sorts of things that relate to our salvation but he chooses that phrase i believe in the forgiveness of sins didn't say i believe in the justification of Christ to his believers, declaring his righteousness. He said, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins is something that many times I think we take for granted. Uh, We think that sins, of course they're forgiven. Uh, Christ came, he died. If you believe in him, your sins are forgiven, and we never think about it again somewhat. I love the way Horatio Spafford puts it. We sang it this morning in, uh, in It Is Well, that great hymn of the faith. But I love the way he said it, you know, the, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. It is well with my soul because of that. You know, if, if Christ had just forgiven some of your sin, you'd still be lost. If Christ had just come and and through his atonement in your life just said, well, I'll cover the big things, and you're on your own for the little things, we'd still be lost. It is that forgiveness of sins that is necessary for us to enter into the presence of a holy and a living God. And so forgiveness of sins is not something that we need or ought 
to take for granted or even take lightly. And so they, uh, they put it in the early church, in the Apostles' Creed, to express that it's the Father and the Son and the Spirit all at work to bring about forgiveness of sin in our lives. And sins, plural, also in our lives. Some of the old catechisms ask the question, what is sin? Brought us in his Baptist catechism, asked that question, what is sin? The almost universal answer to that in a catechism uh, expression is something like this. Sin is any want of conformity to or transgression of the law of God. First of all, it's any want of conformity to. That is, if God has revealed something to be his will and his purpose and God has commanded something in his word and we fail to conform our lives to that, that is sin. Many times we would call those sins of omission. Overlooking something. Not doing something that was needed. Not doing something that was important. Just kind of nonchalantly moving through the Christian life. Not worrying about our conformity to the person of Christ a want of conformity to, or a transgression of. The word transgression comes from the idea of trespassing, transgressing, going across the boundary. God has drawn certain boundaries, and when we transgress that, when we go beyond that, we are guilty of sin. So you can have it on a lack of conformity, or you can have it on a positive transgression, and sometimes we can even have it out of just downright carelessness almost said stupidity but they're children here and that's not a good word I know but but it is it really is just out of our own ignorance sometimes we sin uh, and, and so you've got willful sins you've got willful uh, not doing willful willfully not doing things willfully doing things and you just got that that other area where we are are careless about what God has said and fail to even think about it we live in a day when a lot of different groups are saying, you know, don't worry about the forgiveness of sins. Sin's not that big a deal. You know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, so everything's all right. If God loves you, he'll take care of it. And a lot of people today are saying, you know, well, just, just go through life, enjoy life, and, and everything will work out in the end. Uh, New Age says don't worry about repentance and confession and, and having sins dealt with. Just kind of get in touch with your inner self and get in touch with your own inner being and, and, and you'll save yourself. You'll be able to help yourself into some kind of spiritual enlightenment. The scripture knows nothing of that. The scripture says that we have a problem. We're, we're in a mess. We have violated, we have rebelled against everything that God stands for. And because of that, we stand guilty before a holy and a sovereign God. And our only hope is what the creed talks about when it says the forgiveness of sins. There's, there's a lot of places we can look at that to, to find it, but I want you to see it first of all in our passage tonight as we come to this Lord's table. In, in the 26th chapter of Matthew's gospel, uh, in, uh, starting in verse... Um, excuse me, starting in verse 26, when Matthew records this, he said, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. Listen to this. 
For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. As he's preparing them for his death, as he's meeting with them for this last time before he's taken out, tried, and ultimately crucified, he says, I want you to understand that what we're talking about here is of a great magnitude. It's of great importance. It's for the, the forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Forgiveness of sins is not a, a foreign thing anywhere in Scripture. If you go back to, and you may just want to jot this down and listen to this, not be flying all over with me for a minute, but, but in Psalm 30, the psalmist writes, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let, let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark my iniquities, that is, if you keep a, if you keep a tally of my iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. The psalmist begins with a cry of confession, a cry of, of repentance, and says, Lord, we're trusting you that you have forgiven us not in part, but the whole. That, that you are cleansing us of our sin because with you there's forgiveness and, if, and there's forgiveness is there that you might be feared. That we might stand in a holy awe of him in everything that we do and everything that we say. Or the Apostle Paul in writing to the Ephesian Christians as he's introducing what the whole of the Christian life is about and even how their salvation came about. He talks about it in Ephesians 1, in, in verse 7, he says, In him, that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him. Paul says, listen, understand that we have this redemption. Christ has bought us through his blood, by his blood, and all things are through him and by him and for his glory. And because of that, in that redemption, we have the forgiveness of sins. Do you realize that if you're a believer, when you stand before God in, in, in judgment, your sins are dealt with already? He's not going to say there's a few you've got to deal with, and so you, I'm going to cast you out somewhere to purgatory, and you suffer a little pain, and, and, and after you've suffered pain for those sins, and you've paid for those sins yourselves, then I will, then I will receive you into my presence. Not at all. We can't pay for our sins. We can't atone for our own sins. It's only in the atonement of Christ. Isaiah spoke about him bearing our transgressions, bearing our grief, because he took them with him to the cross. And that's what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. We have redemption through his blood, his death, his crucifixion. And we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. And trespasses is just that other word, another word for sin. Intentional sin. Volitional sin. And then in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 
14, really starting verse 13, he said, Paul writes, talking about just the incomparable nature of Christ, he says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness, and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Anytime the apostle talks about what Christ has done in us and for us through his cross, he, he always points out the fact that our sins have been forgiven. Now, Paul in Romans was very big to talk about justification. That if you are in Christ, you have been justified. And that's a forensic term. That's a legal term. Whereby God, through Christ's atonement, declares us to be not guilty. He justifies us. He takes the guilty and he declares us not guilty. Not because we're not guilty, but because by his grace, through Christ, he sees us through the full guiltlessness of Jesus Christ, his son. And he declares us. And, and justification is a, is a glorious thought. It's a glorious truth of the gospel. But forgiveness of sins... It's not forensic. It's not legal. It's very personal. It's, it's very personal. It's our sin that stands between that relationship with Jesus Christ, with God. It's our sin that, that builds barriers and builds walls that keep us from being able to enter into his presence. And we can't tear them down. We can't destroy them. But he can, and he does. Through the very things we've talked about in this creed up until now, his work on the cross, God's provision as creator and almighty father, the Holy Spirit's work of application into our lives. So when we come to this table, as we are doing tonight, we come celebrating what we read about there in, in Matthew chapter 26. It was our Lord preparing his disciples for the cross that was coming and them not wanting it at all. Remember Peter, he said, Oh, Lord, they're not going to get you. They ought to go through me first if they get you. And Jesus said, Peter, you know what you're talking about. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus knew that from the very moment he was born into this world in that manger in Bethlehem, that he was here for the cross. It's great sin that our sin sent the Son of God, the sinless Son of God, to the cross to die. I mean, we are held culpable. We are held responsible for that. But it was to be all along, and it had to be if we were going to know anything of the forgiveness of sins. And so the creed says, I believe. I believe in the Holy Spirit who brings the church together, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, and I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Tonight we confess that by coming to this table. We confess that we too believe in that if we are Christians. We come to this table, we take of the bread which represents his body, we take of the cup which represents his blood, and we acknowledge that we believe in the forgiveness of sins.
By taking that, and, and only believers are to partake of it, by taking that, we're, we're saying, I believe that that body was shed for me, and I believe that that blood was spilled for me, and I believe that that body and that blood has become a part of my life, and I now, I now eat of it and drink of it as an acknowledgement of the cleansing blood of Christ that has set me free, that has justified me, reconciled me, redeemed me, uh, purchased me. brought about the forgiveness of my sins. So the creed is in agreement with the Lord's table. The Lord's table is the testimony of the work of Christ on the cross. And he said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. When you take it, take it and drink it, remembering my work, remembering my cross, Remembering the salvation that is found in Christ alone and keep doing it. Keep doing it until I return. And in doing it, we're acknowledging not only the past that his atonement has done and the present that it's involved in our lives as we are believers, but also the future that we believe, even as we've already talked about in this creed, that he is coming again to judge the living and the dead in righteousness. I believe in the forgiveness of sin. I believe that Christ has taken my sin, nailed the whole of it to the cross, past, present, and future. And that I live now not in my own justification, but I live in the justification that God has given me in Christ. And I live with forgiveness of my sin and my sins that are many. But by his grace and for his glory have been forgiven. We come to this table to remember that and to proclaim that until he comes. Would you bow with me? As we bow together, our deacons that are going to serve are going to come and begin getting ready to serve this table. As you're there, I want you just to think about your own life. If you're here tonight and not a believer, I want you to consider the sacrifice that Christ gave on the cross. I want you to consider the work that he did there to atone for the sins of his people. If you're here and you're a believer tonight, I want you to consider what it costs for your salvation. It was not cheap. It may be free to you and me, but it was not cheap because it cost the very life of the Son of God. If you're here tonight and not a believer, I, I ask you to let the elements pass by as you think about what it means. And I ask you to consider Christ, the Savior, the Lord, the Redeemer. I 
I, can, I ask you to consider your own sin against God. Even as a good, quote, what we would call a good person. It's what you are or are not doing with the Lord Jesus Christ that matters. Father, tonight, as we bow before you, and as we prepare our own hearts for the receiving of this table, the elements of this table, we ask you, Lord, that you would strengthen us in our walk with you. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.